This is 63% Scottish, a Scotland appreciation podcast. Yes, welcome to 63% Scottish. My name is Eamon O'Flynn and I am your host. As I've said before, my personal opinion is that it's hard to understand a culture without experiencing its food. That's why we've already talked about whiskey and baking on 63% Scottish. We bake, broil, sear, grill, and fry our culture into our food. And our culture, country, or society can, in some instances, be identified through food. That's certainly the case with haggis. If you say haggis, people think Scotland. I mean, they might think, ew, at first, but then they'll think, oh yeah, that gross thing from Scotland. I'll tell you right now that the small bits of haggisy stuff that I've consumed were quite tasty, but you can see why it frightens people. While a sheep's heart, liver, and lungs mixed with onion, oatmeal, suet, and spices and cooked in the animal's stomach must have been a feast for Highland farmers a few hundred years ago, it doesn't line up with a modern society that's often concerned with high-grade meat and choice cuts and that sort of thing. So yeah, it sounds gross. But it has persisted as a beacon of Scottish culture long after the necessity of eating such a thing receded. And it made me wonder, is it something Scottish people actually like? It shouldn't be a foregone conclusion. After all, not all Scots wear kilts. They don't all love bagpipes either. I've yet to meet a Scottish person who will admit to having a deep-fried Mars bar. Is haggis more of the same? Is it a cultural hallmark that remains behind as much for the tourists as for the inhabitants? To answer this question, I've enlisted an expert. Rosalind Erskine is the food and drink editor at The Scotsman, one of Scotland's national newspapers, and the host of Scran, a podcast all about Scottish food. She joined us a few months ago to talk about whiskey, and she was gracious enough to answer some questions about Haggis's place in modern Scottish society. Our conversation wasn't as long as the usual 63% Scottish episode for a couple of reasons. First, It's hard to talk about haggis for more than about 15 minutes. Second, I had the idea that our conversation about haggis would be an excellent complement to an overview of Burns suppers. After all, Burns Night, or Robbie Burns Day, or Robert Burns Day, or Rabbi Burns Day, depending on where you're from, is coming soon. Burns suppers are inextricably linked to haggis, which makes them a natural double bill. I'd never heard of Burns Suppers until I went away to university, where they were mentioned in passing, but I never really learned more. Of course, I figured out that they had something to do with the Scottish poet Robbie Burns, and that there was food involved, but that was it. It was only after I began digging into them to produce a short explainer for this very show that I learned that there was a whole process, a standard agenda with a strict order for formal Burns Suppers. That's what we're going to cover in the next five minutes or so. But first, I want to mention that informal Burns suppers are also acceptable. Celebrate the man however you'd like. Whiskey or no whiskey, haggis or no haggis, poetry or no poetry, although I I would say a celebration of Robbie Burns with no poetry seems like a strange occasion. A celebration of the life of Robbie Burns the suppers are traditionally held on or around January 25th, which was his birthday. Formal occasions are generally hosted by universities, sporting clubs, or St. Andrews societies. A quick scan of the Toronto St. Andrews Society website reveals that they have one planned for January 19th, in partnership with the University Club of Toronto. 
and their guest speaker is the first ever guest on 63% Scottish, Dr. Kevin James. At these formal events, you can expect an eight-part agenda. First, a bagpiper welcomes the guests who mingle for the first bit. At less formal occasions or those where bagpipers aren't plentiful, you might simply hear some traditional Scottish music playing. Second, the host delivers a welcoming speech, often simply reminding guests of the occasion. The guests are then seated, and the Selkirk Grace, a well-known Thanksgiving poem that uses the Scots language, is recited. It goes like this. Some hae meat and canna eat, and some wad eat that want it, but we hae meat and we can eat, and say the Lord be thanked. Please forgive my horrible pronunciation. It turns out Scots sounds terrible without a Scottish accent, and especially terrible if the person doesn't really know Scots. Third is the soup course, where guests devour Scotch broth or Colin skink, and that's about, about it. It's a soup course. Fourth, the haggis arrives to the sound of bagpipes. Everyone stands. The host then recites the Address to a Haggis, a Robbie Burns poem in Scots. I'll save you my horrible attempts at reading it, but I suggest you seek it out because it's quite funny to read something that is so earnestly praising a haggis. Fifth, guests eat the haggis. They eat it with neeps, turnips, and tatties, which are mashed potatoes. So if you ever hear the, the term haggis, neeps, and tatties, now you know what it is. It's haggis, turnips, and mashed potatoes. Sixth, there's a dessert course, usually cheese, coffee, and of course whiskey, accompanied by a series of toasts. The traditional ones are the immortal memory, a toast to some aspect of Burns's life or poetry. There's also the address to the lassies, thanking the women in attendance and toasting their health, and a reply to the laddies, which is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, the women in the audience, or a woman in the audience, toasts the men. Second to last, there may be singing of songs by Burns or recitals of more poetry. I've also read that sometimes it is recitals of poetry from people who are inspired by Burns, or simply people who are Scottish, or poet poetry and, and music about Scotland itself. And finally, it ends. The guests stand, hold hands, and sing Auld Lang Syne. That's how you have a formal burn supper, which you're all welcome to replicate in your own homes or investigate the opportunities to participate with the St. Andrews Society or Scottish Society near you. Okay, now on to our short chat with Rosalind Erskine. Okay. All right. Uh, so if I asked a stranger in North America to identify elements of Scottish identity, I think they'd say bagpipes, kilts, and then maybe, maybe haggis. It is a subject of some terror for the uninitiated due to its contents. For any listener who hasn't heard of haggis, can you describe it? What is what is it? So it doesn't sound nice because it's a mix of uh, oatmeal and essentially awful from usually sheep, sometimes a mix of sheep and pig, um, all kind of squished together. And traditionally, it was wrapped up in a sheep's stomach, although you don't get that now unless you get it from a butcher's. It's kind of synthetic wrapping now. 
So it sounds horrendous. I can kind of understand why people are a little bit like, I don't want to, to have that. Um, it tastes, so I don't really eat the meat one because I don't eat lamb. I don't like, I don't like lamb. So you can get a beef one from Marks and Spencer's over here, which is a, a supermarket. Um, it tastes mainly spicy. It's like really peppery, quite spicy, but in like a peppery way rather than like a sort of chilly way. Um, it's got oatmeal in it, so it's kind of oaty. It's really, really soft. Um, you can bung it in the microwave or you can boil it. And you have it with potatoes and turnips, which is neeps and tatties, and like a whiskey sauce. So the whole thing's quite like, you know, you mush it all together and it's all really soft. And it's nice. Like, it is nice. It just, you just can't think directly about what's in it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's all... the. There's everything or a lot of what we eat is all parts of animals. So I think that it's at a certain point you're drawing some sort of, you know, nonsense line of like, well, this is gross, but this is okay. I mean, yeah. a steak is also not necessarily, <laughs> if you think about where it's coming from, it's still not not super appetizing. Yeah. Uh, in some of my own reading, I was surprised to learn that while it's always claimed as a Scottish dish, dish haggis is something that has been made for centuries. It, heck, even the, the ancient Romans made something that was haggis-like. Why do you think it became associated so strongly with Scotland? And is this all Robbie Burns's fault? Yeah, pro I think so, yeah. Like I so saw it there are histories of it in Scotland, you know, the, the cattle drovers who brought cattle down from the Highlands, they would, you know, this recorded that they would eat something similar. Um we continue to make it. So McSween's and mm. um Robert uh, not Robert Howie, sorry, it's on the back of my laptop. Um Simon Howie. Simon Howie and McSween Haggis is the, the two big ones here. And um so we're still making it. And but yeah, I think it comes from Burns. So at Burns Night, um, you would have hags, neeps, and tatties. You could kind of do it on St Andrew's Day, which is end of November. But people tend to mark Burns weirdly more, or it's more like commonly known like across the world. So yeah, I think we've kind of claimed it. Although you know there are history of it here, but we've kind of claimed it and ran with it and continued to run with it. Um, so yeah, that, that's why I think I think you're right. I was trying to think of anything that's the equivalent in Canada, and I can't. The closest I can think of is maybe poutine, but I don't really want poutine to be like the <laughs> the equivalent to what haggis might mean to to Scottish people. Um, is so is haggis still an important meal in Scotland? Is it something that people have regularly, or is it a special meal? So I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I I highly suspect that people aren't sitting down on a regular basis to haggis, neeps, and tatties at home, although. They maybe are. Um, it's not. It's quite cheap. It's not probably as cheap as it potentially could be, given what's in it. Um, mm. It's also quite heavy, and obviously, with you know, not everybody's going to want to eat that you know kind of meaty kind of thing. Um, I think if you're going to do a Burns night, you'll have it. If you're going to do St Andrew's Day meal, you're going to have it. Quite a lot of pubs do haggis bonbons. Um, which I think is what you were saying you maybe had when you were yes. in Edinburgh. Um, you get haggis pakora, um, which is like, do you know what pakora is? Pakora, I think. Yep. Yeah, that's fine. Yes. yes I don't yep. think you really get it down in England that much. So, yeah, we get haggis pakora. Um, so it's become, it's like part of different aspects of life. So, like takeaway or pub food. But I don't think that lots of people are sitting down on a weekly basis to have haggis, neeps, and tatties. But I could be very wrong. Yeah, I, I was trying to. I was wondering whether it was something that not exactly equivalent to a Sunday roast, but something that kind of had that feel, like a, there's a specialness around it, or there's kind of like it's it's an occasion in some way, or whether it's just something you're you're you happen to show up at a restaurant and you say, yeah, I'm having haggis, <laughs> haggis neeps and tatties tonight. Pretty much that, yeah. If you go to certain restaurants who are kind of known for it, you'll maybe have it, or if you fancy it, it's on the menu. You'd have maybe a bit like fish and chips, but um, 
it's not I mean if we're going to yeah Sunday roast would, would probably be how you would hear you you would have Sunday roast like that is more likely yeah. to be regular than having haggis every week yeah and is this you think this is there's anything generational about about how it's consumed are older Scots more likely to eat it or is it just kind of it doesn't I'm just kind of curious as to whether there's a demographic element at all to to its consumption yeah possibly yeah um older people might eat it but in terms of something like that being generation it's probably going to be more like mince so like when we were younger you know you'd have mince and tatties for your dinner my dad still has that but I don't have that at home um so yeah potentially older people might have it more often but it's more likely to be something a, a bit cheaper like you know mince or, or something more traditional that's kind of gone out of favor i think mm-hmm. i know uh, you mentioned this uh, there's many different ways you can enjoy haggis now in in uh, pubs fast food every, everything along those lines i know when sam hewan was on your podcast most recently he was i believe having a, a venison uh, haggis yeah, um, while yeah, you were okay. trying gin um is there uh, so so many different types of meat as well. Is there a vegetarian option? And if so, is that common? Yeah, there is. Um, and it's also kind of by default vegan as well. So, and it really? is, um, yeah. And I think it is probably, it is, it is common. Um, I actually once found it in a supermarket in Dubai when I was doing a um, St. Andrew's <laughs> night. Uh, no, sorry, I burned no, St. Andrew's night, yep. Um and yeah, it's um, it's really good. It'd actually probably be my preference just because I don't really like lamb. So it's just completely veggie. It's like kind of lentily and, and still as spicy and still the same texture, but not, there's no meat, obviously. So For anyone who's listening, who's who's hesitant to p- perhaps try haggis because they because they know what, what is in it and they don't really feel like that's appetizing, that maybe is another option for kind of getting the same experience or a similar experience. Um, and so you kind of just answered my next question, which was, what is your favorite version of haggis? What is what is the version that you are most likely to to order or to eat? It would be the McSween vegetarian one, yeah, which I know is kind of betraying me as a Scottish person, but it tastes really good. <laughs> That's hey, you do what you you do what you love. Uh, so I'd like to. I don't have a lot of other questions about haggis. I think we've I think we've we've narrowed down what it is, where it where it sits in Scottish culture, and what I'd really like to do now is to turn the tables on you a bit and get you to finish the same five quick uh, five quick fire statements that you asked our friend, the Hebridean baker, Kanye McLeod, when he was uh, when he was on Scran. So are you are you ready to answer your uh, your quick fire questions? Yes, I'm trying to remember <laughs> what they are in my head. <laughs> Yeah, see, you can cheat. This is the, you might you might be able to remember some of them. They, they have no idea what's coming. Okay, first, whenever I'm hungry, I think of cheese. Cheese. That's a good answer. Comfort food for me is chocolate. So good. My favorite childhood dessert is a chalk ice. A chalk ice. Yeah. What is what is that? Like it's a. It's basically like a like a block of ice cream covered in chocolate and put in like a wrapper okay cool okay yeah that's a it's a new new term to me so that's uh everyone listening at home is learning things <laughs> my food heaven is it's scallops scallops okay and my food hell is lamb or coriander Yes, you mentioned lamb a couple of times. It it does feel like that I was was a foreshadowing going on. Yeah, the guy wasn't that hard. Look at that. Everyone, 
Yeah. So I'm, I'm glad this is maybe the first time you've, you've done that outside of, uh, well, you've done it yourself. You've, you've always been asking the questions, but you've never, you never been able to answer them before. Um, okay. So before we end, uh, this episode, where can our listeners find your work and, um, are you on social media? Uh, yeah, so I'm on social media as Rosalind Erskine, um, and my work is on the Scotsman or um, foodanddrink.scotsman.com, and Scran is just search it wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and I know I do know that you've covered haggis on a couple of different occasions there as well. So if anyone wants to take a real haggis deep dive following this discussion, there's plenty of opportunity to to talk about Burns Nights uh, or to listen to you speaking about Burns Nights and about haggis as well. Yeah, that's right. All right. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. That is all for this episode of 63% Scottish. Please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search for 63% Scottish and you'll find us. If you want to help our show keep growing, consider subscribing on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. This show is supported through promotional partnerships with the St. Andrews Society of Toronto, the Scottish Society of Ottawa, the St. Andrews Society of Los Angeles, the St. Andrews Society of Winnipeg, the Clans and Scottish Societies of Canada, the Singapore St. Andrews Society, the St. Andrews Society of the State of New York, and Chicago Scots. If you live in any of these places, I encourage you to find out how you can get involved. Links to all of these organizations are in the description for this episode. We also receive promotional support from the Scots Corner page on Facebook and the Center for Scottish Studies at the University of Guelph. This show owes a debt of gratitude to the Scottish Banner, the premier publication for Scottish people and those of Scottish heritage in Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and the United States of America. You can find all of our episodes on their website along with short articles on each subject. Again, links are in the episode description. Music in this episode is from Roman Senec Music. Thank you for listening to 63% Scottish. Until next time, cheers and slancha.